Before beginning, I would like to introduce to you and to welcome Father Ricardo, who's from St. Joseph the Worker Parish in Honduras. That's the parish that we are currently twinning with. He's been up here for a few months. He's here to learn English, to be with us, and we're here to learn from him. From him. So it's a great honor to have you, Father Ricardo, with us to can celebrate, and we welcome you. Now, I don't want to see a show of hands, but I want each and every one of you to ask yourselves a question. How many of you knew that today was the solemnity of the Holy Trinity? And the reason I say that is in the church, the different feast days and the things we celebrate have different rankings. We have memorials when we remember saints. We have feasts to remember even more important saints or days in our liturgical calendar. And then we have what's called solemnities, like Easter, like Christmas. And did you know that today is a solemnity? You know, I don't see anyone too excited. <laughs> you know, and it's mind-boggling if we're really honest with ourselves because, you know, yeah, Christmas, and we're all decked out, and Easter, and we're all decked out, and we come to church, and we're like, solemnity of the Holy Trinity. <laughs> you know? And why is that? Is the church just medieval and crazy? Why do we have a solemnity, for God's sake, celebrating the Trinity? It's on the same level as Christmas and Easter. That's why I'm wearing white. You know, Pentecost came and went. We're in ordinary time. I should be wearing green. I'm wearing white today. The Trinity, it's something we remember every time we say in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. How many people do you know have that privilege to say those words? And yet, why is it that the church teaches the Trinity? Did she just make it up? You know, was someone just bored and said, well, let's make a new dogma, let's call it the Trinity. No, this is something that's been revealed to us by God, not only in word, not only what's written in the Bible, but in action. Both in word and in action, God has revealed to us something about himself. In word, we read it in the gospel today, Jesus Christ. What does he tell his disciples? Wrong page. <laughs> I was getting a little nervous there. 
All right, what does Jesus say? He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He told his disciples about the Trinity. Not only did he tell them, but they saw it in action. Jesus Christ made man the Son. Jesus Christ, when he was baptized, the words of the Father, right? It said, this is my beloved Son. And the Holy Spirit came to rest on him in the form of a dove. These are things that happened. So not only in words, but in action, we've been told something about who God is. That's why the church teaches that there are three persons in one God. Now, it's kind of hard for us to wrap our minds around. You know, Christmas is kind of easy because you imagine the baby in the manger and the cow and the donkey. And Easter is easy because you think of our Lord rising from the dead or the Easter bunny and Easter eggs and all those kind of things. But we get to the Trinity, we're kind of like three persons in one? You know, not three gods who are really close but three persons in one God. And I read something not too long ago, and I wanted to share this with you because I think it's one of the best analogies I've read regarding the Trinity. This man, his name was Sheldon Vonneken, or Vonneken, I'm not sure how you pronounce the name. He was a friend of C.S. Lewis, studied in Oxford, was not even a Christian. He married his wife, his wife converted, and then he later on converted to Christianity, and she died at a very young age. The book is called A Severe Mercy. And in that book, he's in Oxford having a discussion with some of his friends, and he's already converted to Christianity. And he gives them the following example to explain the Trinity, this analogy. He says, all right, let's say me, and I'll put it in first person. All right, Father James, let's say I want to write a book, and I go about writing this book, and one of the characters in the book is myself, Father James. I appear as a character in this book that I am writing. I'm the author of everything that happens in this book, right? Now, the Father James that's in this book says the things that I would say and does the things that I would do. That character, Father James, is, in a certain sense, completely me. It is me being expressed in that book. But he's also completely a character within the book. And even though I see at a glance the beginning, the duration, and the end of this book, and I am outside of that book, the me within the book, that character, lives out these different events. And he says that's like the author being God the Father, who's outside of time, and is the author of all things. 
yet he is incarnate within this book, within history. He is both character, a human being, and yet he is divine. He's the Father. And yet all these different characters, because the book isn't just about me, I interact with different people, different things, different events. All those characters in the book that I bring into being have something of me in them, don't they? All the different characters, the people in this story that I'm writing, they're not me. They're not saying what I would say, but there's something of me in them because I brought them into being. I made them. Something of my spirit is in them. And he says, that's the Holy Spirit. I thought it was a marvelous analogy to explain the Trinity. And why is the Trinity so important? What is it that I can get out of it? What does it matter, you might be saying. If we read in the very first book of Genesis, God says, let us make man in our image. Let us. He doesn't say, I'm going to make man in my image. He says, let us, Trinity, make man in our Trinity, image. What does that mean? I am made in God's image. And if I find out a little bit about what God is like, then I find out what I am supposed to be like. We all want to be happy. I know that for a fact. Deep down, each one of us is seeking for happiness in this life. And we will only be happy insofar as we are the way we've been made to be. And if we're made in God's image, God is communion. God is gift of self. That's why Jesus Christ chose that way to save us. He didn't have to. He could have said, let you be saved, and it would have happened. He chose that because it's the greatest expression of forgetting about oneself and giving oneself to another person. Today, God reveals something about himself. But even more importantly, by doing so, he reveals something about me.